0: Hi, meteorologist Don Paul here in my first full episode on my new free, of course, you must know it's free podcast, Bits O'Blather, on weather, climate, science, occasionally logical outrage. But today we're going to stick with science, and in particular, climate science. Uh, This is something I've written about several times within the Buffalo News. I'm a regular contributor if you're not from Western New York three times a week to that newspaper on the digital edition. And I want to talk a little bit about a branch of climate science called attribution science, which was brought to my attention uh, during the last six months by distinguished scholar Michael Mann at Penn State. Uh, If you're not familiar with him, he was featured in an interview with Scott Pele uh, this past Sunday night on CBS's 60 Minutes. Don't worry, this isn't going to last 60 minutes. Uh, For years, like many other meteorologists, uh, I had written it is virtually impossible to tie a singular extreme weather event to climate change. And by climate change, that's a euphemism for what is generally known to be a warming climate. Uh, Not that every cubic inch on Earth is warming up underground and on the surface But the world is getting warmer. There is absolutely no doubt to this. Uh, Even uh, Joe Bastardi, formerly of AccuWeather, who uh, does not really believe in anthropogenic or human-caused warming, agrees the world has been warming. Uh, But since the overwhelming consensus, peer-reviewed science shows that we, not just Americans, but global citizens everywhere, industry, Uh, utilities, transportation. We're all adding to the climate load by increasing greenhouse gas emissions. Um, We can now look to quite a few cases in which extreme weather events can be individually tied to a warming climate. I'm just going to give you a few examples and some reasoning behind it. And keeping in mind that uh, I am a meteorologist and not a PhD climate scientist, I want to assure any listeners that uh, I rely on top tier scientists in my field and related disciplines for these thoughts. They're not merely Don Paul conjecture. I do plenty of conjecturing, but not when it comes to applied science. Um, In 2017, what had been an enormously powerful Gulf of Mexico hurricane named Harvey, when it moved onshore, weather models, not climate models, had predicted it would stall even as it dissipated in intensity with the center moving over land and that it would produce unprecedented amounts of rainfall. Uh, One of the reasons the models saw this is because there is a great deal of climatology now built into the models. And uh, both meteorologists and the computers we have great dependence upon uh, showed a blocking pattern in the atmosphere was setting up which would block the forward movement of what had been powerful Hurricane Harvey and that it would stall in place with virtually unlimited amounts of Gulf moisture for its water vapor. And it put down as much as 60 inches of rain over two or three days in a town named Netherland, Texas, not far from Houston. And many areas had over 40 inches, producing the worst metro area flooding on record in the United States. Uh, $125 billion plus in damage, property damage. And I'm not even going to get into the fatalities uh, resulting from that storm, uh, because it had also caused fatalities from its hurricane impacts initially before that shifted over to its tropical depression flooding impacts. What's the climate tie in? Well, it was predicted in climate models, even the primitive ones in the 1980s, that the Arctic would warm up much faster than the rest of the world. And the reason for that is underneath the white ice of the Arctic Ocean is dark ocean water. And where ice began to melt, its reflectivity of sun energy, solar energy, was replaced by absorption of solar energy into the dark ocean waters. Uh, This meant that uh, in the late summer and early autumn, the Arctic Ocean would be sending far more water vapor into the atmosphere, warming the high latitudes more, and lessening the amount of freeze time for refreezing of sea ice during the winter. So you had more melting and the Arctic uh, sea ice has not on a perfect linear fashion where each year beats the record from the year before, but has just continued to melt at accelerated rates. And I believe uh, five of the last uh, six least ice covered late summer periods, ice minimum periods, have occurred in the last five years. Uh, This year we are at a level of the second lowest amount of ice since satellite imagery recording began for sea ice in in 1979. So what's that tie-in? Well, the warmer the Arctic gets, the less temperature contrast there is between the Arctic or high latitudes and the mid-continental latitudes. When you have less temperature contrast between the high latitudes and the mid-latitudes, The polar jet stream, the most important steering current higher up in the atmosphere, slows down and weakens, and it is then more prone to buckling into a more north-south, south-north wavy pattern, which slows or can, in the case of, for example, Harvey, eliminate any real forward motion for a storm system, and systems stall more often. They're not always storms. The hot ridge of high pressure, which has produced the worst wildfire season on record in the West, and in particular in California, is part of a blocking pattern, which has persisted sometimes for weeks at a time. It's not that the West doesn't typically get hot, but what this weakening of the jet stream is tied to is taking natural variability in weather and extreme weather events and making them more extreme than they had been before human-caused warming got going. Uh, the very following year after Harvey, Hurricane Florence moved into North Carolina. It began to weaken as it moved onshore. Once again, the models predicted it would essentially stall as a tropical depression inland. It did that, again, with a blocking pattern and, again, producing devastating flooding, not quite as uh, cataclysmic as the Houston area flooding, but bad enough. Even this year, uh, Tropical Storm Beta, which was Hurricane Beta, uh, as I recall, was predicted to stall. It did. It did not have the potency of Harvey or Florence, but it did produce significant flooding. Last year, uh, that terrible hurricane which, which hit the Bahamas and stalled over Part of the Bahamas with top winds of 185 miles per hour stalled with predictions made days ahead of time that that was going to occur, again, due to blocking in the atmosphere. All that is tied to a frequent weakening of the polar jet stream, which is directly tied to the rapid warming at the Arctic latitudes. It's not the same as the Antarctic because Antarctica is a continent. Now, the ice around the periphery of Antarctica has dark ocean waters, but the huge mass of ice on the land when it uh, melts, and it's not melting all over Antarctica. In fact, around the South Pole, there has actually been some thickening of the ice. uh, It doesn't have the same impact on atmospheric warming and atmospheric water vapor levels as the melting of Arctic sea ice. And when you have a shorter refreezing season due to the warming which produced greatest melt periods during the warm weather season, the ice doesn't get a chance to thicken up again when it does refreeze in the winter. And so come the warmer weather season, the thinner ice melts more readily, exposing still more dark ocean waters to solar energy, which gets absorbed. Instead of the Arctic being a heat source, reflecting heat, it becomes a heat sink, uh, sucking it in. And then... The whole feedback mechanism goes on year after year after year. And there's nothing that's going to slow this down other than humanity switching to alternative means of generating power, switching away from fossil fuels, and also changing our methodology in agriculture where less methane is released, less carbon dioxide is released. CO2, even though methane is a much stronger greenhouse gas, is by far the most important uh, human output because of the volume we put out. It's just enormous. Uh, CO2 is up 41 or 42% since before the Industrial Revolution. Now, it's only a small amount of gas in the atmosphere, but when you take it and increase it by more than 40%, it has a very powerful effect as a greenhouse gas. It traps more heat in the lower atmosphere. So these kinds of ties in are becoming more, not just observable, but provable, and they are tied to human activity. In another podcast, I will probably attempt to discuss the extremely complex uh, relationship between the Earth's orbit, uh, the tilt of the Earth's axis, the axial tilt, and why we know if it were not for humanity, the world would be cooling now and would have been cooling for the last century. Tolar solar irradiance, and you can find this on a great website from NASA, climate.nasa.gov. It's a great primer for any of you who want to learn more about climate science and climate change. It's written by world-class climate scientists for laypeople. In other words, they're not talking to each other, they're talking to us, and they make it understandable. And they also tell you what we don't know. they tell you what's of a lower, a higher degree of uncertainty and a lesser degree of certainty. Uh, but attribution science is an important, important new subdiscipline in climate science, uh, where we're now, we can't link every, you know, you can't link a, a tornado outbreak on June 8th to climate change. In fact, there isn't that much of a strong relationship between global warming and tornadoes, except that there seems to be consensus. There may be fewer days with tornadoes, but more days with multiple tornadoes, more bad tornado days, fewer total tornadoes. Uh, We don't think there's a linear relationship between global warming and stronger tornadoes that look like they're in the movie twister but we do know with high certainty that the warming of the oceans and the oceans actually have absorbed 90 percent of the warming and 90 percent of the carbon dioxide put out by human activity if the oceans weren't there uh, well we wouldn't be here in the first place but they have been a great energy and carbon sink but there's a limit to how much they can take just like you uh, and uh eventually an equilibrium is reached where the ocean starts giving up more of that CO2 and more of that heat. And we know that hotter oceans do not have a linear relationship with more hurricanes, but they do have a relationship between more major hurricanes amongst the many hurricanes, more category three and up hurricanes. And we have seen firsthand evidence of that in recent years and in recent decades. Again, the bottom line there isn't, isn't that we're going to get more hurricanes Although this year has been extraordinarily active, not just due to climate change, but also uh, the absence of a lot of wind shear in the Atlantic hurricane basin, which is tied to La Nina, which is the opposite of El Nino plus warmer oceans. There there's almost always more than one variable at play. So I'm not sitting here near my cheap microphone saying that climate change and warming is responsible for every bad thing that happens in weather and climate. But there is a high certainty relationship between the heat, the persistence of the droughts in the West and in other parts of the world, more flooding rains where the atmosphere is moistened by increased evaporation, the extremes are more extreme than they would have been. They wouldn't be absent without human-caused warming, but they're more extreme than they would have been without us. And by us, again, this is not some anti-American little soapbox speech. It's all of us. Of course, the greatest single polluter when it comes to CO2 is China, which has almost a billion and a half people. And India is not far behind per capita because we are such a productive society. We are number one per capita in CO2 emissions, but we're nowhere near any longer China's total output. They're still building coal-fired plants. They are slowing down on that. They are the world's leader in solar energy for a couple of reasons. That's another podcast subject. They can make money and they've had horrendous premature mortality due to extreme air pollution uh, episodes around some of their largest cities where they have many coal-fired plants in proximity. So attribution science is a phrase to keep in mind. And I think that's about enough for this podcast. I hope you will